Rusty Quill presents. Cool fact: A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. It's five in the morning I've I'm going to have to drink more of the blood today I'm starting to feel the cold now this is a strange experience starts in my fingers and toes a creeping chill and there in my ribs hey god it's just a little bit for now, but too much to sleep through. I want, I want to talk to someone. I'm so fucking alone. Casper, where the hell are you? This is Not Quite Dead, episode four, A Cobweb on the soul. 
trying to think about like medically significant information stuff that might be important I can't go to the hospital not after the last time Casper dragged me out there and I know running any tests on my blood right now when I've consumed so much of Casper's it's the kind of risk I'm not willing to take not because of me in all likelihood I'll be dead as a doornail soon but Casper's got to go on living I... I'd know if he was dead, I think. Right? I'd know it. I'd feel it, wouldn't I? I? Yeah, I'd know if he was dead. We've tasted each other now. Have no idea how it all works. Only that he can find me wherever I go. I wish that went both ways. Not that I'd be much use. Even if I wasn't crumbling to pieces on the inside, I'd only be human... That's the thing, see. The imbalance. Casper's always worried he's taking something from me, but I have so little to offer. So little on the line compared to what he has. He's already got a potential infinity ahead of him. It's... Oh. I don't know. In the absence of being able to describe anything even slightly useful, I guess I should just carry on with what happened to me. That's about the only thing I can do right now. Maybe it wouldn't help Casper, not if... But yeah. There are others out there, and they need to know, and you, whoever you are, it's important for you to hear this too, so you can understand the gravity of the situation here. There are people out there looking for vampires. They want them for... I don't know exactly, nobody does, not really, but they want them, they're killing them by accident, and the the worst thing, the worst thing is what they're doing to, if I just try to describe it, you're not going to believe me, I wouldn't have believed me either, not after Casper kissed me and made me forget everything. Maybe before that there were a few weeks where I could have heard what Casper had to say and known it wasn't some kind of joke, but the window is a pretty narrow one. I don't know what possessed me to use the notes app on my phone to record what happened. I'd never used it really very much before, and that's why I didn't just immediately find record that everything happened right away. Part of it anyway. Casper told me what he did to me, the glamour he'd used when he'd kissed me so softly. That might have had an impact too. Prolonged the process, made me even less likely than usual to check my notes and find out what I'd hidden for myself in there. Things were getting back to normal. I was going out, I was seeing my friends, hanging out with my sisters and my mum. Grace was getting ready to go to Cambridge by then. It was the start of summer and even though she didn't have her results back, she was pretty sure she was going to get in. She's always been so self-possessed, Grace. Not like me. Grace's excitement was contagious. She just turned 18 and insisted that she didn't find me the most embarrassing person alive and started tagging along with me and my work friends to nightclubs. Sometimes she'd bring a school friend along too, but they were always a little less comfortable with me and my friends than Grace was. She was used to the crassness and the laissez-faire way that we talked about death because she was used to me. Her friends always found us odd and unsettling company, or at least they seemed to. It was on a night out with Grace and one of her friends that a thing happened that 
properly set me on the course that led me here. The beginning of the undoing. The start of the end. There's this poem, my favourite poem now, maybe, by Emily Dickinson. It goes like this. Crumbling's not an instance act, a fundamental pause. Dilapidation's processes are organised decays. Tis first a cobweb on the soul, a cuticle of dust, a borer in the axis, an elemental rust. Ruin is formal, devil's work, consecutive and slow. Fail in an instant, no man did. Slipping is Crash's law. And that's what it was, what happened. Little pieces. A slow slide into the chaos of the world unseen, just around a dark street corner, at the edge of a street lamp's glow. Looking back, it feels like there was this window of an instant, a pane of glass in my life, separating the before and the after. I know the main reason it feels that way is Casper worked so hard to hide the first singes at the edges as the flame began to take. If I'm angry at him for anything, I'm angry at him for that. The thing is, though, if what happened on that night out hadn't happened at all, I wouldn't be angry. I wouldn't be anything. Yeah, I'd have eventually found the notes in my phone I'd made the night Casper made me forget everything about him and the strangeness I'd seen, and I'd have gone, huh, weird, what the fuck is this? And maybe I'd have thought about it twice more before I let it go, because I had, by then, let it all go. Casper was nothing to me except a hot guy I sometimes dreamed about whose face I couldn't quite place when I woke up. The patients with the torn-out throats were a horrible mystery to me, just as they were for everyone else. I do understand why he did it. It was better. The ideal outcome. Make me forget and move on. That night hadn't happened. I could be alive right now. Properly, actually alive. Instead of whatever this is. This last gasp I'm caught in. This cold and ache. I appreciate it. I do. But for what happened next. And the way it made everything so much harder to cope with. When the floodgates opened and I could see through that window for the first time and understand what was really going on. He was trying to help, but it made it all so much worse. It, it happened. It was a night out, like hundreds I'd been on before. And like so many of those other nights, we wound up back at my favourite bar near the river. I was smoking out front, chatting with strangers, sociable in a way I only ever am when I'm absolutely shit-faced, when my ex, Ben, came stumbling out of a club across the street. He was even drunker than I was, barely standing upright. I cut off whatever I'd been saying to whoever I was talking to and shrunk backwards, like half-hiding behind the other smokers so Ben wouldn't have seen me if he looked up. Honestly, though, he looked so wasted that even if he had looked up, I don't know that he'd have recognised me. Ben staggered forwards. The bouncer was looming behind him in that way that bouncers often do when they think someone's going to throw up all down their legs or collapse on the street. That air of annoyance and disapproval, you know? Ben stumbled sideways against the wall, taking a cigarette out of his pocket, crowding round himself to try and light it. I remember I cringed at how long it took him to get it going. He was swaying even though the wall was right next to him, propping him up. And then he wandered down towards the river, out of sight. Part of me really wanted to follow him. I don't know why, really. He was never kind to me when we were together, but 
I still cared about him residually. I think I'd have got a twisted kind of satisfaction out of mopping him up and taking him home, listening to him cry and whine. I imagined that maybe he'd be pleased to see me, begging me to come back to him. <laughs> I was drunk. The idea of turning him down to his face was immensely appealing. I was halfway through talking myself out of that when someone came out of the alleyway beside the club Ben had come from. It was a narrow alleyway, nothing more than like a place to store bins and empty barrels of beer. Whoever it was was hunched over. Their clothes were hanging off them, really dishevelled. They moved really fast down the street, but there was a clumsiness to the movement of their limbs. But it wasn't like they were drunk. There was a purpose in everything, but it was almost like their body was shaking slightly apart, like a, a ball-jointed doll whose strings had come loose. They put down their foot sideways and didn't hesitate, despite the falter in their step, and they kept walking on their twisted-over ankle. And something fell from them. It was small, it didn't make a sound as it hit the pavement, and then... Then they turned along the river in the same direction of Ben and they were gone. I looked around the smoking area to see if anyone around me had noticed and they hadn't. They were too busy chatting and drinking and smoking. I stepped out into the road and wandered over to whatever it was the person had dropped, expecting a wallet or a keyring or, well, like anything besides the thing it was. It was small, ragged along one edge, discoloured in a mottled purple, but... It was still unmistakable. It was an ear. I felt sick looking at it. I've seen locked off ears before, and fingers, toes, and other things that ought to be connected to a body, but now weren't. But this ear, it looked dead in a way those other severed things hadn't been. It was not recently separated from the head it was once attached to. It had been violently removed some time ago, and... From the colour of it, this blotchy purple, whoever it belonged to had been dead for a bit. I was frozen. What could I do? Scream? Shout? Call the police? I don't know. I just stood there, hunched over, looking at this ear lying on this cobbled street. And then, then I heard a shout from down by the river. Had it not been Ben... I might not have known the exact tone of that scream. It wasn't a cry of jest or ecstasy, but real fear. A sound I'd heard him make only once before when he'd come into the bathroom after I'd fainted and hit my head on the sink and was redecorating the tiles with my blood. <laughs> it was fear and horror and anger. Out of instinct, I guess. Botched instinct, Casper would say. I ran towards the scream suddenly not feeling even slightly tipsy. There was this handful of picnic tables right by the edge of the river, separated from the swirling depths of the river by nothing more than this chain-link fence. Ben was half on the ground between the benches, one arm twisted in chain-link so tight it must have hurt. The person who had dropped the dead thing's ear into the street was on top of him, body coiled and pulsing, limbs locked around Ben's torso like a vice. Ben screamed again, and it was different, worse than the first scream. And, and not just because I was closer. It was wet, gargling. It ended with this spluttering choke. I was still running. I slammed into the thing on top of Ben with the weight of my body. It squealed, and there was this awful rending thud. 
it slopped sideways. One of its legs was now at this awkward angle to its body, kind of loosely hanging there rather than clinging on. Ben was looking up at me. His eyes were huge. He was opening his mouth like he was trying to speak, but all that was coming out was blood. I kicked the thing again, and it came away from Ben with this wet tear sound and a crunch. It pushed itself up on its arms, and its lower jaw was hanging flaccid from the rest of its head. Its eyes were milky and yellow. They were pointed at me, but they couldn't see me. One side of its body was mottled red-purple, discoloured the way that settled blood discolours a corpse. It made a long, protracted screech and launched forwards at me, pushing itself with its arms. It couldn't move one of its legs, so as it tried to stand, it just slammed forwards into my waist, its filthy fingers were grabbing at my T-shirt. I couldn't move or breathe or think. It stank like a dead thing, and as it curled its fingers into my clothes, the nails buckled and shoved outwards. I tried to squirm and kick as it shoved its ruined, broken face against the inside of my jeans, smearing this thick, dark, stinking liquid into the fabric. The back of my knees hit one of the picnic benches and I toppled backwards. My head hit the table with a crack so hard I saw white dots in the centre of my vision for a moment. The thing was clawing its way up my body as I tried to scramble back and away, its face pressed into me, searching and pressing into my flesh the way newborn babies snuffle into their mothers as they search for milk. Its hands fell my neck and its wet, soft fingers closed around me. Its skin felt loose around its bones. It pushed its face against my throat and I thrashed and thrashed and I could feel its upper teeth scraping my skin, struggling for purchase without the aid of its lower jaw which was hanging there, just there on my shoulder, dripping gore. As I thought, I could hear the thing squelching and cracking, but its grip was a vice. I I couldn't shake it off. I could hear Ben gurgling and spluttering nearby. I was trying to get free, but there was nothing I could do, nothing except keep rolling and trying to turn and flip. And then from nowhere, there was this almighty crack, and my face was sprayed with moisture, and the thing on me was squealing like a stuck pig. Close your eyes and mouth, someone yelled. And somehow I found the wherewithal to do as I was told. There was another crack, and this time it was more than wet that splattered across my face. I could feel bits of bone and flesh in my eyebrows. The thing wasn't squealing anymore. I squirmed backwards, and it sloughed off me like a stinking blanket. I kept shrinking backwards further and further until there was a hand on my shoulder. Someone said, watch out, you're going to fall. I rubbed my face with my hands and he handed me a piece of fabric. Casper was standing very close to me. Of course, I didn't know who he was. His face was sprayed with this fine mist of blood, and his eyes were dark and wide and feral. In his hand was a broken-off bit of table leg. There was bone and meat at the end of it. He was looking at me with this kind of horror in his expression. And he said, you again. I was about to ask him what he meant when I heard this wet choke. Ben was still tangled up in the chain link fence. Blood was pulsing fast out of his throat. He was only still alive because he was angled upright. I could hear blood bubbling in his lungs and his aorta had definitely been nicked. 
The wound in his neck was deep and wide and ragged. A flap of flesh just hanging off, glistening in the light of the street lamps. His eyes were wide, searching mine. It's all right, I told him. And I tried to smile. I found his hand and I squeezed it in mine. I said, it's okay, I'm right here. Ben's eyes flitted back and forth between mine. I remember, I remember thinking, oh God, I, I hope he's drunk enough that he can't feel it. I hope that it all just felt like some weird and strange dream. He kept trying to talk. But whatever that thing was, it had torn through his vocal cords. All that came out of him was blood. So I just... I put my hand on his cheek. I told him it was going to be okay. <sighs> I fucking hated that man. But I held on to him. The blood was coming out of him slower and slower. I told him he was safe. And it was okay. He closed his eyes. And I couldn't hear the bubbling in his lungs anymore. Casper said, Alfie, we need to go. I still had no idea who he was. I, I turned to him. I was furious. Who the fuck are you? Casper just sighed. He said, you can't help him. He's gone. We need to leave. I said, are you insane? I can't just leave him dead on the street. I, I'm... Casper just looked so tired. He said, this is the first time I've managed to get here before it was done. We need to go. And he started dragging the thing across the cobbles to the water. I don't know what I said, but he told me, I can't leave it here. Just so calm. Like, it made perfect sense. I dropped Ben's hand to try and stop Casper from throwing the thing in the river, but before I could even finish getting to my feet, Casper had already thrown it in. I watched its globed back bob along the current towards the bridge. Said we have to do something. Casper said, do what? Didn't even sound annoyed. He said, come on, we need to go. I told him I couldn't leave Ben. Casper said, we can't be here. You can't do anything more for him. We need to go. Then he just started walking. I looked down at Ben. He was just motionless. Looking up seeing nothing I could feel my pulse in my ears I watched as Casper approached the steps up from the river and back onto the street and fuck knows why but I followed him I said you just killed someone and threw them in the river he said you must have smelled it your nose is less sensitive than mine but you know the smell of death Alfie I realised then he knew my name. He'd used it before, but right then, that was when I realised. He knew me. His car was right at the top of the steps. He was idling, but the lights were all off. Casper reached over and opened the passenger door from the inside as I reached the car. I slid inside, and before the door had even fully shut, Casper's wheels were screeching on the road. 
I remember really clearly, he said, what are the fucking odds? <laughs> the chances of it being you are infinitesimal. Maybe I'm cursed. <laughs> I remember so clearly that he said, maybe I'm cursed. He was the only one who hadn't just been attacked. <laughs> he rolled his eyes when I said that. I thought about the thing's awful nuzzling. That it was trying to bite me, wasn't it? Casper said, yes, it was. It was trying to bite me like it had already bitten Ben. He knew Ben's name too. Pointed that out. And he looked at me, so sad. And he said, so we're on even footing. My name is Casper. And I said, the friendly ghost? And he just sighed and said, yeah. <laughs> I think it was about then I started feeling really dizzy, kind of nauseous. We carried on talking, but I can't really remember any of it. I just felt so sick. And everything was starting to feel really odd. I don't know, I remember holding the edge of the seat. Casper was asking me if I was all right. I was trying to say that I was, but I don't know. I just felt sick and hot and dizzy. Casper was talking to me, but I barely heard it. And a moment later, the brakes were screeching and the passenger door opened right before I threw up in the gutter. Casper put his hands on my shoulders. I wasn't quite sure how he'd got round to me so fast, but I was so dizzy I could barely summon the common sense to notice. He was staring into my eyes. He, he was saying something, but I couldn't hear anything. It was like someone had shoved cotton wool into my ears. It must have grazed the skin, was like the only thing I could make out. Casper shoved my head sideways. His hands felt really cold on my neck. He pressed down lightly with the tip of his finger and this explosion of pain sent stars dancing across my eyes. Casper swore. He glanced around, closed the door, and then the car was speeding onwards again. With every second, I felt more and more delirious. I didn't even notice when we stopped driving. I just felt Casper sliding his arms behind my shoulders and knees and lifting me out like I weighed nothing at all. Even under the stink of the dead thing that was all over us, I could smell that smell of him, fresh and musky at once. Casper awkwardly shimmied us onto the back seat. He was underneath me. I was lying backwards on him. I was panting, sweating. I couldn't even make myself move. I was barely aware of anything. I think he must have said more to me, but oh, the only thing I could remember getting the gist of was that he was going to have to try and suck an infection out, and I really didn't know what he meant. By that point, I couldn't even lift my head, let alone speak. And I don't know if I would have protested it if I had been able to, but I just have no idea. Like, what would I have even thought he meant? The next thing I knew, there was this whisper of cold on my neck, and then there was this bright explosion of pain. Casper was holding me really tightly. One arm was wrapped over my chest, pinning both of mine. The other one was in my hair, pulling my head sideways. And I felt something odd under that pain in my neck. Like this mounting pressure which built and built and released and built and released. All I could hear was my heart hammering. All I could feel was that steady build and release. That cool grip of his mouth over my throat and his arms wrapped around me like a vice. God... It hurt so much, but there was a kind of ecstasy in it. And it felt like it went on and on for hours, but Casper said it was only a couple of minutes. Finally, he let go. He was breathing really heavily in my ear, I remember. 
his arms went limp and we were both breathing really ragged and out of time and yeah every nerve in my body felt like uh, I felt like I was flying my heart was racing I tried to sit up <laughs> Casper said are you insane <laughs> and he pulled me back down he sounded absolutely wrecked he was almost as breathless as I was he said, I might have taken a bit too much. I'm sorry, just sit for a while or you're going to hurt yourself. I remember thinking, like, what the hell are you talking about? But I couldn't speak when I tried to. Just sort of croaked awkwardly. So I just nodded and, oh, God, that hurt like hell. Casper put his hand on my forehead and his fingers were really cold. And he said, be careful. And then his hand was in my hair again, not gripping tight as it had been before, but strung there loosely. His thumb was moving back and forward across my ear. God, it was too much for me to bear, all of it. The pain, the shock, the tingling, the softness of his thumb, the rapid rise and fall of his chest under mine. Sorry. It's a funny thing. It's just an accident, a coincidence. If it hadn't have been Ben that night, I might not have left the smoking area. I might not have known that scream was what it was. I might not have followed the thing down to the river and tried to fight it off. It might never have tried to feed on me instead when I interrupted it. Never have nicked my skin with its rotten mouth and almost killed me with its rancid, toxic saliva. Casper wouldn't have had to draw it out of me like snake venom as we lay on the back seat of his car, putting both of us in a frightening amount of risk. Risk that neither of us would have taken if we'd had time to think about it. If it hadn't been me, he might have left me to die. But it was me. And so he didn't. Instead, he was filled with my blood. And there was no looking back. I fell asleep lying on him, feeling his thumb on my ear, his fingers in my hair, his breath on my neck, listening to the sound of his breathing. But I woke up on the couch in my apartment. I was filthy, shaky, weak, but alive. I might have thought it was all a dream if it wasn't for the disgusting ooze I was covered with, and the huge bruise on my neck it was covering. Through the centre of the bruise was this shallow graze. Above that and below, two round scabs, incisors width apart, so deep that when the scabs formed, they were black. They hurt when I touched them, this deep throbbing ache when I pressed them with my fingers. Oh. When I touched them, I thought of him. Casper. My phone was filled with missed calls and I had a text from an unknown number. I'm sorry. Check your notes. So I opened my notes up and I read. You know what I found in there. You know because I've told you. <sighs> okay. Yeah. All right. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 